Good morning and welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host Robert Zirk. On today's show, our coverage of the Winnipeg Foundation's vital conversation on mental health, addictions, and healing held in conjunction with the Foundation's Winnipeg's Vital Signs Initiative. We'll hear from panelists and presenters from the event earlier this week. We'll also speak with singer-songwriter Trenton Burton about his debut album 6 to 21 that chronicles his journey from childhood to adulthood dealing with mental illness. Then, because 2017 is Canada's 150th anniversary, we're going to tell you about various projects throughout the year that celebrate Canada's sesquicentennial. And this week, we'll tell you about what Dalnavert Museum has planned. Then, our coverage of a refugee storytelling event that happened earlier this week. RC360 was in attendance at the event put on by the Mennonite Heritage Centre Gallery, and we'll tell you all about it. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg joins us in studio to tell us all about the world in local citizen journalism and what's been happening on Community News Commons. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you this fine January morning. It's our last show in January. Luckily, we haven't been frozen quite as bad as December was, so uh, I don't know. I'm feeling good. I know. I can see the pavement. It's <laughs> yeah, bizarre that, for hey? mid-January. The giant the giant piles are slowly dwindling, so hopefully uh, we're on the... We've already gone through the worst of winter, and we're now uh, on on clear and easy sailing to spring. That would be nice, wouldn't it? At the very least, let's hope that that is the case. For sure. Today on the show, we've got a bit of a mental health focus. Uh, I'm really excited to sort of bring our listeners various stories today that are going to deal with this very important and very pressing issue. We're going to kick things off with our coverage of the vital conversation on mental health addictions and healing that happened earlier this week. Uh, River City 360 was there in full effect and we spoke with the uh, presenters and the panelists that brought a fantastic uh, evening of discussion and debate on um, mental health addictions and healing. So I'm looking really forward to that. We were also going to be talking with singer-songwriter Trenton Burton. He uh, is a young man, a fantastic artist who uh, recently finished his debut album called 6 to 21. Uh, It talks about his uh, journey from when he realized he had a mental illness at the age of at the young age of six to uh, right up to his current age which is 21 and it's a really interesting conversation and he has a really interesting perspective so stay tuned for that and uh, yeah we've got some great great conversations great stories to bring you but before we get into any of that we always kick things off with a with a song so here's 101 strings with you are the sunshine of my life right here on river city 360 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. So as we mentioned before the break, the vital conversation on mental health, addictions, and healing took place this past Monday. It was presented as part of Winnipeg's Vital Signs, which is looking to check up on the vitality of our community, in part by getting feedback from the public through events such as this one. The goal of the event was to understand how and why mental health issues impact people of all ages, to identify barriers that exist for people who are seeking help, and to see what can be done to overcome these challenges by preventing addictions and promoting healing and well-being. Rob Nash, musician and friend of the show, presented the keynote address, followed by a panel discussion that inspired conversations among the attendees, as well as the people who were watching the live stream online. First, we put together just a brief compilation of some of the key points that were mentioned at the panel discussion. We'll start out with Rob Nash. Be willing to share what you've gone through. We've had so many people come up to us after shows, we tell our stories, and we teach at every show that we do that you young, if you've got something going on, I promise you this, you're not cursed, you're gifted. There's somebody out there that still needs your story. I love the fact we're finally starting to talk about these issues, but we have just scratched the surface. Think about it. If one in five people had a heart condition, our government would try to make sure that there's somebody in every school that would know what to do if somebody's heart started to fail them, right? But no, we're cutting out the counselors. We're, we're pulling away some of these most important resources that the kids need. Thousands of people will go through a tragedy today. They're not going to be better on the other side automatically. But if you make the choice, you can turn it around. You get help. You start talking about it. You can turn it around. But it takes some choices too, right? It's not about wanting a bigger house or a shinier car. It's about desiring a sense of significance or purpose and a sense of belonging. The first panelist was family physician Dr. Lisa Monkman. One of the biggest, most influential factors is the impact of chronic stress. I think people who have been oppressed, people who have been abused, people who have been marginalized in any way are at higher risk for suffering from the effects of the chronic stress that that has created in their environment. Focus on the relationships that the people have with their loved ones, with their friends, and how they spend their days, like their day-to-day -day routine. What does that look like? It sounds really basic, but it's super important because if the people around you are not healthy, then there's a very, very high chance that you're also not going to be healthy. And we know from all the, all the randomized controlled trials and all the evidence-based medicine out there that people don't develop addictions if they're not stressed extremely in some way. So we as a society have to work hard to, to improve our stress levels. Tessa Blakey-Whitecloud, fund developer at One Just City, was also on the panel. I think that that is so crucial that young people know that asking for help is a sign of strength, that honoring that they need help is a sign of strength, and that, like you say, there's an element of choice, um, and in choosing to stay silent, they're, they're hurting longer. And it's really interesting doing that work with youth because they want to talk, and when they find someone they feel safe with, sometimes it's very hard to get them to stop talking uh, and <laughs> refer them to the right resource within their school, and sometimes that's because that resource isn't there enough. Our emergency room visits in 2014, 30% of them were about mental illness and 6% of the funding. So there's a discrepancy in how seriously we're taking that. One of the things that becomes really important when we're looking at prevention is that aspect of love and kindness. And we can't do that in a culture of competition. I go into classrooms where students have been told, you can be anything that you want to be, so long as you work hard enough and beat all 30 other people in your class. And so we have created a system where youth feel like they can't talk to each other. And we know that isolation is one of the key aspects that lets a mental illness 
or a mental health problem become a mental illness. And so it's about bringing community together. And the third panelist was Sean Miller of the Canadian Mental Health Association, Manitoba and Winnipeg. We need to see the person through the diagnosis. You're not your thoughts. You're not the illness. That's not who you are. So I think connecting with your strengths and abilities and and just your core values is is critical to recovery and and some of the value that you offer the world around you. It's one in five people that are affected by mental illness at some point in their life. If you drill down further on that, it, it gets even more alarming in that one out of three people, it's only a third of that demographic is actually getting the help that they need. And treatment, yes, let's always do the best that we can. If there's new practices, if there's new treatment methods, let's look at those things. But the fact of the matter is, that treatment is what you do to or for a person. Recovery is a journey that you do with a person. It is possible for somebody to live a meaningful and purpose-filled life, either in the presence or the absence of symptoms. Thanks again to Dr. Lisa Monkman, Tessa Blakey-Whitecloud, and Sean Miller for speaking with us. If you'd like to participate and share your thoughts on mental health, on addictions, or on healing in our city, there are several ways you can do so. Please leave us a comment on our listener line. That's open 24-7. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204 204- 944-9474, extension 360. You can also find the full video from The Vital Conversation on the Winnipeg Foundation's Facebook page. Just search for the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook, and you can also leave your feedback there in the comments as well. If you're on other social media, such as Twitter, you can tag the Winnipeg Foundation at WinnipegFDN and use the hashtag WVS2017. That's WVS2017. And to learn more about Winnipeg's vital signs and future opportunities to participate in community conversations like this one, you can visit wpgfdn.org forward slash vital signs. There will be two more vital signs community conversations later in the year, and RC360 will be sure to preview and cover both of those events and let you know how you can get involved. Coming up after the break, we continue our focus on mental health with a wonderful story from a local singer-songwriter named Trenton Burton. Trenton is a Red River College student, and he has his debut album coming out February 1st. It's called 6 to 21. The album is all about Trenton's experience growing up with a mental illness, and all net profits from sales of the album are going towards the Canadian Mental Health Association. Trenton's going to be joining us in studio to tell us about the, uh, the process of recording the album, as well as his experience with mental health and mental illness right after our next musical break but before trenton gets in here hey hey it's the monkeys with daydream believer right here on river city 360 oh i could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings the six o'clock alarm would never ring but it rings and i rise Wipe the sleep out of my eyes My shaven razor's cold and it stings Cheer up, sleepy Jean Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer And a homecoming queen 
me as a white knight on his steed. Now you know how happy I can be. Oh, and our good time starts and ends without our love one to spend. But how much, baby, do we? Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you this morning and I'm now joined in studio by Trenton Burton. He is a Red River College student and a singer-songwriter. Trenton, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You have a fantastic uh, project coming up. Um, you're in the Creative Communications program, is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the year, everyone does this kind of big project, uh, the Independent Professional Project, and you've decided to record an album. Uh, why don't you tell me what makes this album special to you and why you decided to do it as your big year-end kind of project? Yeah, sure. So um, my album is called 6 to 21, and it uh, it's an album that focuses on basically... Uh, my experiences of living with mental illness, and it's kind of a, a chronological story. So it uh, starts with six, when I was six years old, because that was kind of my first memories of the whole thing. Um, really my first memories of anything, really. But uh, And then 21 is how old I am now, so I planned on basically a chronological. So uh, and in the middle um, is 12, so I kind of have it going through different... Um, different ages not everything is numbered but basically have it going through different stages so um noticing symptoms being diagnosed um hiding it and then realizing that like talking about it was just better in the first place it should have talked more about it just uh, about the pressures of hiding it right. uh and then kind of kind of current day um basically what what's all going on um that's very personal i would imagine like yeah so how do you feel when someone comes up to you and says, yeah, my, my friend or family member um, has gone through the same thing. This has really helped me understand or helped them understand. How does that make you feel when you're actually affecting people like yeah, that? Yeah, that makes me feel like I actually, this is worth it, basically. Yeah, I got a message um, from someone the last week, and uh, I don't know who they, like, it was just someone that saw one of my songs, and uh, they're saying, you know, like, oh, for the last five years, I've been, I've been suffering from, like, PTSD. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, and it felt me like, wow, I'm actually, you know, this is actually doing something. Because when I was in the writing stages, because it's something I did completely alone, right? Like right. no one had, I'm, I'm performing with a bunch of my friends um, on the, sh like during the show, just, to, you know, help flesh out, you know, the songs. But I had written this, um, performed it, like mixed it completely on my own. The only other person that had heard everything was um, Jamie Sitar, who was the mastering engineer. 
um, who I had just emailed. I hadn't even spoken uh-huh. to him in person. Uh, so it was a really, it's it's kind of like you're in an echo chamber and you're like, well, is this other, are other people actually going to? Yeah, it's not like, like a typical this? creative process where you're, you're not having iterations of a book and different edits and different, you know, it's just like you you create the art and then you put it out there. Exactly. Yeah. Cause there had been a couple people that I had kind of sent stuff to, of course, my girlfriend, I had, I had kind of shown, but very hesitantly. For there sure. was, I remember I, I was uh, showing her. Was one. she, was she gentle when she heard it? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> she, she, uh, I, I honestly think I could have shown her something that was horrible and she still would have been like, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's so For great. Sure. Um, of course, I would never show her anything that I actually didn't want to show, right? For sure. But I still, I, was, I think I was, I was playing her the first, um, like it wasn't even mixed yet. It was crumpled. I think it was right after I had recorded all the vocals in her basement. I'd come upstairs and she's like, oh, hey, can I listen to what you're like, you know, what you, what you just like recorded? I'm like, eh. And she basically talked me into it. But I'd still basically talks through the whole song because I didn't want her to hear yeah. the whole thing. You didn't want her to be able to focus on exactly. it. Exactly. I was like, no, no, yeah, so this part, yeah, this part. But I wasn't really, I was really trying to distract her. I'm like, don't don't seriously listen to this. Don't seriously listen to this. So it was, it was that sort of thing. Um, so I had never really shown many people the full kind of thing until I, I think I sent six to a couple of my friends like a week before I had released it. So do you still have these reservations or has it sort of crept down a little Um, bit? It's definitely crept down. Um, It's always been, uh, I've always been weird at accepting compliments. It was always been something that I was, um, I was like not afraid of because you know, like people love getting complimented, right? Like it's obviously like, I would love when people say like, oh yeah, I like your stuff. But I've always, I'd always been kind of, weird about it you don't want people to think that you think that about yourself I, I think that's part of it i think that's part of it it's also the uh i don't know it's it's one of those things because i had first um the first time i sung really in public was with um the guy who's now playing bass with me for the show but he was playing drums i was on guitar just doing a whole you know a little black keys thing for like a high school talent show um and i think my band teacher had come up to me like hey i really li-, and i honestly i just interrupted him like, I, I felt kind of um like bad about it but i'm like oh hey because uh, i asked him basically a question relating to uh something else that was going on that day but because uh, I, don't, I, I don't know it just felt it felt weird it's like oh you know you did a re- really good job um but i i've been kind of kind of slowly coming around to it as weird as that sounds the, the biggest problem is oh people are complimenting me you know like it feels like a lot of, you know it's like a problem that's a, that's that, a good problem to have. yeah exactly yeah is it still feeling surreal when you see yourself on ctv or yeah. see yourself on the front page of the free press yeah it's getting art section it's getting weird <laughs> because uh i'd co- always kind of imagined what it would be like to see you know, like i mean i think a lot of musicians artists or people in general say like oh like, can you imagine if I was like recognized for something well, I did? Well, you create art for people to consume it. Yeah, exactly. And the more people that s- have the opportunity to experience it, the better you feel as an artist because you feel like you're getting your message out. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was kind of weird. Like I I had walked into that CTV, um, basically studio, and it almost felt like I'm like, wow, I almost feel like a legitimate artist. Artiste. You are. Yeah. It you was. Are. Uh, could I you, hate you know. to break it to you, but <laughs> you are. It's official. Yeah. It's it, once I saw that, I had watched it. Um, very hesitantly, because uh, I, I actually skipped the interview um, part when I was re- when I was rewatching it or watching it um, later online because I didn't want to hear what I had said because I'm like I, I hadn't said anything that I didn't you know didn't regret or sorry <laughs> regretted, but uh, I just been really nervous about um, like I don't, I don't know getting secondhand secondhand embarrassment for myself for sure. Um, but I'd kind of, you know, very hesitantly listened to the performance to see. I, I was relatively confident about it, about it actually, um, when I came out of it. Um, I'm like, you know, I think I did okay. I think I did okay. 
Uh, but I listened like, wow, okay, that's okay. I I can show people this. This will be fine. Um, well, you sounded great. Thank personally. you. Yeah, I I was, wor- I worked really hard on um, trying to get these songs performable for a solo person because right. I while I am there's a, solo a lot of layers. Artist, there's yeah, a lot of layers. Exactly. Because when I was creating the album, um, I didn't want to limit anything because of course I was still doing this. You know, it's really personal, like the whole personal like writing. But I was to the point like I don't want to make this harder, any harder than it is. So I'm just going to do whatever I want for the actual music part of it. When it comes down to performing it, you know, they'll just I'll just do something. You'll figure I'll, it I'll out. Figure it out. Yeah. So of course now it's time to figure it out. But I, I've I've been figuring it out, and it's uh, I was performing with um, or practicing with one of my bandmates, and he was saying like you know these songs are actually turning out quite a bit better, um, you know, stripped down than I had expected, mm-hmm. and I kind of agreed with him. Um, has has this process been therapeutic for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, during when I was writing it, I actually felt like I was. It was kind of like almost like you're getting closure, I guess you could say. Um, like when you're kind of tying up loose ends when we're like, oh, yeah, that is how I, I, I feel about this, or that is how I felt this. Uh, it's kind of like going back to your memories and kind of, um, I don't know, like not finish, finishing them is a weird term to use. Closing a chapter, yeah, maybe? Yeah, it's like closing a chapter, and it's kind of like moving on sort of thing, because um, that was definitely part of it when I was writing it. Um, I would drive home from recording, and I was like, yeah, no, I did... Like this is, I'm much happier. Like you know, it's a, it's like kind of like a cathartic situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was just, I felt so much better after I had written this stuff. Um, and it's weird because I actually writing it, it came to me pretty quick for most of it. Um, well, you write what you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's let's set up a song. Let's play a song here. Um, tell me, tell me about. Uh, maybe pick your favorite track and we'll play it for the people. Sure. Um, so I think for. Let's, let, I think let's play six because I think that was where it really started. That was one of the only songs that didn't um, change much throughout the whole thing. I had added kind of um, a bridge part, I guess you could say, to flesh it out. Did you write them in order? Um, or not that's a good question. It, it was a bit in, kind of in order. The first, th- the first three were in order, um, and then the other ones I would just say like, oh, you know, what? I'm stuck on this one. I'm going to go to the sixth one, or I'm going to go to the eighth one. Um, but a few of them, like the first one and the second one, for the most part, didn't have too many changes to it. Um, but every other one went through at least five iterations of other tracks. Oh, this is track seven. Oh, okay, cool. Um, track six had, I think, 20 different like iterations of, like, okay, this is going to be track six. No, this is going to be track six. I'd posted uh, on my Instagram page, I think, a while ago, um, all the saved files I had for, okay, this is going to be track six, to the point where I was writing in the files. I'm like, this is track six. I'm serious kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so this is this is one that I think really sums up the whole project. It's the opening track, and it's basically um, a memory from when I was six. And it was kind of my first memory of really going through the whole thing. Of realizing something um, was that? Yeah. Um, and it was basically, I was lying, I was trying to go to sleep, actually, and I couldn't because I had, I had been woke, or I had been keeping myself up because I kept feeling like I wanted someone to break into the house. And it sounds kind of, it's kind of a silly... Um, kind of thought because like basically it was oh I want people to come in and steal all our stuff and then you know just leave and I was like well no that's why would I want to do that? and of course I'm six so I'm thinking because I don't you know you don't know these you know what, what you know is, robbers right? are bad and that's yeah exactly it. you know robbers are bad but you don't know that oh you know this is actually part of something else this isn't you thinking so basically I was basically just terrified because um, I was like no 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 this is I'm fine like why would I why would I want this to happen uh, so basically this song kind of describes that and it goes through a few different. Um, voices i guess like my own voice and then the voice of like um 
I don't know how like it's like the other I guess that's it's still in my voice but it's the saying in, stuff I wouldn't say yeah that's very yeah. interesting I'm, in, I'm I'm excited to hear it congratulations because I know how much work goes into putting an album together oh, thank you. Yeah. and never mind just doing it by yourself so that's a, a huge accomplishment um, I wish you all the best thank you Trenton Burton is a singer songwriter from from Winnipeg yeah yeah okay <laughs> who is currently enrolled at Red River College in the creative communications program and I guess we're gonna play the song called Six yep. from Six to Twenty One his uh, debut album. Them, I guess. Thank yep. you very much for joining us. Thank today. you for having me. Appreciate it. Sleep as Oh, 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 oh,
That was Trenton Burton with his song Six from his debut album, Six to Twenty-One. As Trenton mentioned, his album release is taking place at The Handsome Daughter, Wednesday, February 1st at 8pm. Doors open at 7.30 and the tickets are $10. Coming up next, since Canada's 150th is in 2017, we're going to be celebrating all year long here at RC360 by telling you about how different organizations here in Winnipeg will be celebrating along with us. Today we're going to hear from Thomas McLeod. He is the Executive Director of Down the Vert Museum, and he's going to tell us about how they're planning on celebrating Canada's sesquicentennial. Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we were at the yearly annual agency fund breakfast, and we were with Thomas McLeod. He is the CEO of Down the Vert Museum. The executive director. The executive director at <laughs> Down the Vert Museum. So um, I guess first things first, tell me about Down the Vert. What, what exactly is Down the Vert? What do you guys have in your museum? Well, Down the Vert is the 1895 restored home of Hugh John McDonald. It's uh, a Victorian home from the age of Winnipeg, when uh, Winnipeg's golden age, that first big boom in Winnipeg. And so the home has been fully restored inside and out and fully furnished to uh, the year it was built. Uh, so it's an example of Winnipeg at that early optimism of prosperity. Uh, and so it's a wonderful treasure. In addition to that, we have our visitor center, which was built in 2005, which expands our programming and allows us to do more community outreach and events uh, in addition to the Heritage Museum. Perfect. And I've been there, and it's, it's kind of like taking a time machine back to the yesteryear where, you know, it has exact replicas of rooms set up exactly how they used to be. Um, why do you think that something like that is important for Winnipeggers to experience? Well, uh, everything in Downward is authentic, uh, and so we are uh, a museum. These are uh, items that we're protecting and we're curating. Uh, but what we're doing is that we're telling the story of early Canada, and really uh, it's uh, a story of uh, colonialization, it's a story of uh, prosperity and growth and settlement of Western Canada. Uh, and so really Downvert's one of those touchstones uh, that help fill in uh, the Canadian uh, heritage story. And when people come to Downvert, what is what are some of the reactions that you've seen of people who come through the rooms and see all the old uh, artifacts and such? Well, uh, people come for many reasons. People fall in love with it. They watched Downton Abbey. They love the time period. They love the sumptuous decorative arts. And we have an amazing decorative arts collection uh, that is a cornerstone of our collection. But uh, then there's other people who come for different reasons. So, for example, uh, we've had a number of new immigrants come to visit Dalnavert uh, that are just in Winnipeg. And what they touch in is that they realize that we have a shared colonial background. So whether you come from Somalia or Syria or uh, uh, South America, you come to Dalnavert and you say, oh, we had a colonial past as well and so does Canada so it's a it's a relating touchstone it's very interesting um, so why I wanted to speak with you is we're trying to talk with all 19 of the agencies or groups that have been uh, granted for Canada's one granted to for Canada's 150th so tell me a little bit about Downlevert's plans for Canada's sesquicentennial and uh, what uh, you're planning to do in 2017 well, we're really excited about the Canada 150 project. Uh, it's called Colonial Postcards. And what it is is that it is, uh, we'll be engaging artists into uh, exercise of object theatre, uh, where the artists will tell stories through uh, the artifacts, 
uh, on the theme of colonial uh, development. Uh, so it's called Colonial Par uh, Postcards, and the funding that we've received will allow us to engage local artists and their voices uh, using uh, artifacts in the Winnipeg collection. So are they going to be creating postcards, or where does the postcards come in? Uh, it will be uh, a dialogue. So the phrase postcard is to capture that, that tradition of a short message uh, being shared. Uh, so that's where we came with the title of Colonial Postcard. But the, the artifacts won't necessarily be postcards. They'll be artifacts, but it will be that tradition of sending a short, meaningful message. Within the context of tradition and of sort of uh, history that Downlevert celebrates and, and, and you can experience when going there, uh, what do you guys have planned for 2017 in general when it comes to uh, Canada's 150th? <laughs> oh, we have a lot going on. Uh, so we are partnering with a number of organizations. Uh, the uh, National Film uh, Institute is doing uh, 600 Canadian films in one day, and Downlevert will be a venue for uh, one or two of those films we're looking forward to that will be uh, open to the public. Uh, we're participating in uh, other Canada celebrations, Canada Day celebrations. Uh, we're opening our doors uh, with uh, special coupons, reduced admission rates uh, throughout uh, the year. Uh, we're also uh, hoping to secure an additional funding uh, for audio recordings uh, where people can tell their own stories uh, at Downavert, but that's in process right now. We haven't actually secured those funds, but we're waiting to hear. Very cool. Uh, so for our listeners who are out there right now that haven't been to Downavert, how can they find more information and how can they come on down and check things out? Well, Downavert's open uh, Wednesday through Sunday uh, each week. And our website is accessible. We've got an amazing program coming up in February, Mystery Month at the museum. We're partnering with the Christie Festival. So there's a number of programs, both free and some uh, where a mission is paid. Uh, but uh, that's available on our website, uh, downavertmuseum.ca. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Thomas McLeod, Executive Director of Downavert Museum. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, we'll hear the first in a series of refugee stories from an event that was held by the Mennonite Heritage Centre Gallery last Sunday. But first, here's Sweets by Les Paul, right here on River City 360. Thank you. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Last Sunday, in conjunction with the Along the Road to Freedom exhibit, the Mennonite Heritage Center Gallery hosted a refugee storytelling event at the Manitoba Legislative Building. Six people from various backgrounds shared brief snapshots of their experiences as refugees. It really put into perspective how so many Canadians are able to live a good life because their ancestors made so many sacrifices to make it to Canada, and it's something that perhaps we don't think about as much as we ought to. Here's Ray Dirks, artist and curator, to explain more about the significance of the event. Remembering our stories, I hope, naturally leads to empathy, action, and welcome when we learn of those living those same stories today. Those of us whose family arrived in decades or even centuries past should remember, be thankful, and be open to those who seek refuge today. RC360 is going to share one of these stories each week. First up is the story of Nettie Duick. She was born in Steinfeld, then part of the USSR, and began her flight in 1943 due to persecution. She left with a group of six women and 11 children, and would arrive in Canada in 1948 with her mother and brother. Here is Nettie Duick with her story. My name is Nettie Duick, and my story is A Cup of Cold Water for Your Enemy. The war was over. It was mid-May 1945, and our group of 17, six adults and 11 children who had traveled together from Steinfeld, Ukraine, since October 1943, with the German army retreating through Russian villages, Poland, and finally to Germany, had landed safely in the American zone, east of the Elbe River. How thankful all of us were. However, Berlin was completely in the Russian zone, and the Allies wanted a section of Berlin to belong to the West. In order to get their wish, the Allies had to agree to shift their territory boundary to the Elbe River. We were too far from the Elbe River, and so we couldn't cross the border before the deadline of 6 p.m. Furthermore, the Allies had granted Russia the freedom and right to repatriate any former refugees from Russia by any means and even using force. So to our shock, we were caught in the Russian zone. The place was Melkov, a collective dairy farm in Germany near the Elbe River. It was July 1st, 1945. The war was over. It was a very hot day and a soldier exchange was taking place. All the American troops had moved out and the Russian troops were moving in. Usually children have a different perspective than adults. And so it was in this case. The soldiers seemed to be exhausted, thirsty and harmless to us. So my two cousins, Peter and Margaret, and a few other kids in our group, all being about nine years old and young, had an idea. We would befriend these soldiers, our enemies with a cup of cold water. So we all got ourselves a pail of cold water and a cup and were off on our mission of friendship. 
The soldiers were friendly and even though we only knew a few Russian words, we seemed to get along quite well and our friendly gesture was well received. They showed their thankfulness by giving us some speck, bacon and money. At the end of the day, I counted my gifts. My mother and I were both surprised that it amounted to 80 marks and a few pounds of bacon. Thank you very much. Thank you to Nettie Duick for letting us share your story, and thank you to Ray Dirks and the Mennonite Heritage Center Gallery. We'll share another refugee story next week here on RC360, so stay tuned. Coming up next, Noah Ehrenberg is on his way into the studio to tell us about this week in Winnipeg through the lens of Community News Commons, Winnipeg's Citizen Journalism Project. But before Noah gets into the studio, we're going to play him in with a little song. How about Nat King Cole with Smile, right here on River City 360. Smile, though your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through For you Light up your face with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Although a tear may be ever so near That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning and it's that time of the morning when we join Noah Ehrenberg in studio to talk about Community News Commons. Noah is the convener of the project, the Citizen Journalism Project, and he shows up every week to tell us what's happening on that wonderful site. Noah, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Good morning to you. Good morning. So tell me a little bit about what's happening on Community News Commons. I understand anyone can write pretty much anything about their community and tell whatever story they they hope to. So what are some of the stories that are being reported uh, this week? Well, this week I'm really excited about the stories that were filed by Red River College journalism majors, students. They attended the community conversation that we had as part of uh, Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg's Vital Signs. Yeah, we just covered that a little earlier on the show. Oh, great. So there were uh, nine students from the journalism program, uh, majors, uh, from the journalism program at Red River College that were in attendance there. And they have written uh, stories about what they saw, what they heard, and uh, you know some of the uh, things that were uh, said to them by the folks that attended that. 
that um, that co- community conversation. So their coverage of it is uh, is uh, quite interesting, and uh, I've been enjoying it. And we've we have a series of nine articles, and we're posting them, publishing them over the course of the week, and uh, we have about uh, one or two every day. And um, by the uh, middle or end of uh, this week, uh, all of them should be published. And that's, so it's a good that, uh, good resource to look uh, to check into. That's an interesting perspective to have, you know, the young, fresh minds in mm-hmm. journalism who are really itching to get out there and tell, tell different, important, impactful stories. So it's cool to see students there that are working on it. Like, it, it's really, I think, a strength of CNC to have some of those partnerships put in place mm-hmm. that you can have with CRECOM and with uh, the journalism students there. Yeah, and it's great because that is one of the partners uh, of Community News Commons. We have we have three primary partners, the Winnipeg Free Press and Free Press Cafe, the Winnipeg Public Library, and Red River College. And part of that partnership with Red River College is having uh, the students do some of the coverage of some stories throughout the year. And it's a part of an assignment that they have for their school year. That's so very cool. So it's really cool, and like you say, it's a great uh, perspective to have. Yeah, definitely. So tell me some other perspectives that are that are taking place on communitynewscommons.org right now. Well, uh, I'm really enjoying uh, a lot of the articles that uh, Anne Haw has been writing, and Anne, uh, she uh, came to discover community news commons uh, about a year ago and she's been writing quite a few articles she really has a sense for what's going on in the community she uh, spends a lot of time sort of just looking around at different things and she got enamored by the uh, Canada Games that's coming up and uh, she's written a couple of articles on that and she's going to be writing some more because it is going to be a huge event coming up in July and uh, it's one of those um, events that um, it really is once in a lifetime and uh, because of Canada's uh, 150th uh, anniversary and uh, Canada Games' 50th anniversary, it's a it's a really big deal for the city and uh, for the province and for the country. And so Anne, this week, uh, had, did a little story about the something called the Canada Games Activity Challenge. And what that is is essentially the, the games are trying to inspire youth to be more active. And so they've, cool. they've sort of rolled this thing out across the country and different schools are signing up. And, and it's an activity challenge that's... Uh, it's a high-profile challenge that um, you know has a lot of interactive stuff online, but it encourages uh, students, uh, youth, ages five to twelve in particular, to uh, to get active, get off the couch, and uh, start moving. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, That's and awesome. she, the interesting thing is she uses the participation um, commercials from the keeps 70s it and have fun. Where the uh, Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Well, even even before oh, that, that was my these, era. That's yes, what I but but my era before that it was where we had the thirty-year-old Canadian is as fit as the 60-year-old Swede. Oh. Yeah, in fact, that was one of the first participation commercials that got all of us looking and thinking about, Wait oh, my goodness, we better get off the couch and get active. And That's so, sweet. So she, she tells the story in that uh, perspective as being someone from that generation who was inspired by participation to get off the couch and to start running around cool. the block. And, and uh, she's done a good job in uh, telling that story about the Canada Games Activity Challenge. And it's all generations, too. We have you mm-hmm. know, students are writing for CNC. There's Anne. And mm-hmm. I would imagine even some of our listeners who are mm-hmm. of the nostalgia era and who appreciate sort of the, the older things in life are also writing for community news comments. So if someone's listening right now and has a story to tell from their community, uh, tell them how to do it. Exactly. Well, you can uh, do what Fred Morris did, for example, and he's a senior in mm-hmm. this uh, city who writes a lot. Friend of the show. He's been on Red River City 360 before. That's correct. And he just wrote an article about longtime NDP politician Saul Cherniak, 
who celebrated his 100th birthday uh, in January. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, Happy nice birthday, little, Saul. Yes, indeed. And there's a nice little story that uh, that Fred uh, tells about, um, you know, Cherniak's distinguished career and how he really shaped Manitoba politics uh, over the last um you know, 40, 50 years. But so happy birthday to Saul Cherniak. Uh, he turned 100 uh, this past month. And the way Fred got involved in Community News Commons was he just went to the site, uh, clicked on the register button that's on the top right-hand corner of the screen and uh, of the main page there. And he just you know, basically takes a minute. You fill in your email address, your um, your password, and, uh, and away you go. You can start uh, writing all sorts of stories. It's multimedia, so... You know, send in a, a, a story, a photo, video, audio, and, uh, you know, we make it sing. And it's any level of um, that's right a, of experience, right? You don't need to be a seasoned journalist. You don't need to have blogging experience. Oh, no, not at all. As long as you can work a computer or... Y- that's correct. And because throughout the year, uh, uh, per, you know, pretty much every day, I'm helping citizen reporters on a regular basis tell their stories. And that's uh, what I do as the convener of Community News Commons. It's an incredible resource and an incredible addition to this city and, and to the sort of journalistic uh, circle that we now exist in because so, so much of journalism is has to be the people telling their own stories because there's just not that much money in traditional media anymore so you know yeah for sure and that most recent report that came out this past week about uh, the state of journalism in Canada and uh, what we can do or what the government uh, might be able to do to kind of help that out one of the main things that they said was we need to get the nonprofit sector involved in supporting community journalism efforts so I mean we've been doing that for five years ahead of the (laughs) game it's good to hear I think it's a pretty good thing to uh, to know that we're on the right track. So if you have a story to tell, go to communitynewscommons.org, get a hold of Noah, he'll help you tell it, and uh, yeah, you can really make a difference in your community. Exactly. So Noah, at the end of our time together, for the past year and a bit, we've asked you to bring us a song that maybe our listeners haven't heard, but they probably should have, because we like to support local music here, so what have you got for us this week? This week I thought I'd look at a a performer that... um was featured at the festival this week called Big Fun. That's the annual Winter Music Fest. And um, the name of the performer is Joanne Pollock. And uh, she uh, played a Manitoba Music Showcase uh, this past week. And she is an electronic artist, producer, and uh, collaborator with uh, Venetian Snares. And she's also half of the band uh, Poems. uh, That's Poem SS. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'm not sure whether it's Poems... Poems with one S was probably already taken, so you gotta, so they had to yeah, do two S's. Gotta throw another S on there. And um, she's very talented, gearing up for the release of her first full-length album in the spring. That's Joanne Pollock. So she she's been really turning heads uh, recently, and she has a new video uh, for her song "River Flood," and that's the track that I'd like to feature on today's show. Cool. So this is uh, "River Flood" by Joanne Pollock, and you're listening to River City 360 with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell on 93.7 CJNU. Magic of the summer night 
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, you can visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. If you'd like to give us a call with your comments, song requests, or a topic that you'd like us to cover on a future show, give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. You can search at RiverCity360, all one word on Twitter, and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Mm